That, that we don't just talk about the birth of Jesus and, and then the death of Jesus. Uh, so for those of you that come on Christmas and Easter, uh, we're just glad that you're here. But just know uh, that there are other things uh, that we talk about. So with that said, let me just read our scripture uh, for the evening and then we will get started. Uh, for those of you that can, will you stand for the reading of God's word uh, in Luke chapter 2. Uh, verse 1 through 7. And the word of the Lord says this. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the Lord should be, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house of, and the family of David. He went, to the registered, he went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her first son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them at the end, let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have come in the form of a baby to be the Savior of the world. And we thank you for what that means to us today and forevermore. In your name we pray, amen and amen. You may have a seat. I want to start off with a question, and the question is this. Have you ever in your life felt like uh, you didn't belong, or, or maybe that you didn't fit, fit in? You didn't quite fit in, whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether even it's at church, or even a group of friends, or within your own family. Maybe it's your worldview, or your politics, or your belief. Uh, or whatever it is, have you ever felt in your life that you just simply did not belong? And, and you know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but the reality is, in a group this big, the answer is probably, at some point in your life, the answer is yes. There has been a time where you have felt uh, like you didn't belong, like you didn't fit in. For me, uh, I, I remember particularly my childhood uh, and my upbringing. I, I would say oftentimes, especially as a young adolescent, that there are times where I felt like I didn't belong when it came to my ethnicity. And, and so the, the area that I grew up in, the school that I went with, uh, was majority white, was majority Caucasian, and uh, I was maybe one of just a few uh, Asian American kids. And, and I remember specifically where I felt uh, different or like I didn't belong was during lunchtime. And, and again, in early elementary, my, my, my parents, uh, as being newly immigrants to the United States, uh, would pack me lunch and, and things that I would typically eat uh, while I'm at home. So it was a brown bag, uh, it was filled with rice. Uh, it had other Korean assortments of vegetables, and of course, if you are familiar with this food called kimchi, that was in there, uh, along with other snacks. And I remember bringing it out of the lunch bag, and all my friends were like, what is that? 
What stinks? What are you eating? And, and to me, this is all I knew. It, it didn't feel different. And, and so out of my confusion, I would explain to them what it is. And, and as I would look around, I would see what they were eating. They were eating oftentimes a, a sandwich uh, with this strange meat that I saw, they called bologna. And, and I said, what is that? And, and I remember just having these conversations about different foods. And I remember thinking, okay, uh, apparently what I was bringing to school to eat uh, made me feel a bit different, like I was the other. And, and had I known at that point, 20 years later, that this Korean food called kimchi would actually be cool and trendy. And, and, and who knew that I was eating what they would call, what we call probiotics? I didn't even know it was filled with probiotics until like a few years ago. Uh, and I'm so glad I was eating it. But all that to say is that like you, and maybe the scenario or situation is different, but I would imagine that at some point in your life, you have felt different or out of place, or like you didn't belong, or maybe what you had wasn't enough, and, and, and people, other people had what you wanted, but you don't have it, but they have it, and all of a sudden you felt a bit marginalized or on the, uh, on the sidelines. Maybe you long to be in a relationship. Maybe you yearn for deeper friendships. Maybe for whatever reason, you feel like you just don't fit in and nobody understands. Maybe you feel, like I said, otherized because of the way you look or because of your socioeconomics or because of your zip code where in which you live. Maybe just uh, it's none of these things and you just are, are here and you showed up and you just feel lonely. And loneliness has nothing to do with marital status or how many friends you have on social media. Loneliness can happen whether you are physically alone or not. Again, regardless of marital status, the number of friends you possess in real life or on social media, whether you live with people or by yourself, nobody is immune to this feeling of unbelonging, and we've all, we've all felt that. And I would argue in the world that we live, there's a few factors of why many of us feel this and it's exacerbated in this society. Number one, there's a lack of interpersonal relationships due to, society, due to, due to technology. Technology has become the main avenue of communication and, and we all do it. I do it through, tech, through, through text messaging, uh, through uh, social media. Uh, and, and maybe you can resonate with this. Some of you, do, do some of you get weirded out when your phone rings? Uh, like, I don't know about you, but when the phone rings, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is that sound? And, and, and sometimes, and oftentimes, it's my family, and I'm like, what's the emergency? And I'll pick up, hello, what's going on? What is the emergency? And she's like, nothing, I just wanted to talk. And what are you doing calling me? Because we're so used to just texting one another or sending messages or emails uh, to one another. But I would, I would argue that one of the reasons why our interpersonal relationships have suffered and the reason why the loneliness and feeling like we don't belong is so exacerbated is number one, because of our lack of interpersonal relationships due to technology. A couple weeks ago, Maria and I went to uh, uh, New York City. And 
I love New York City. There, there's cars everywhere. There's big buildings everywhere. There's, there's lights everywhere. There's noise. It's just, it's my kind of city. And, and I remember just walking through, uh, and oftentimes and frequently, I would bump into people because they were looking down on their phone. And I don't know what they were doing, whether they were texting or whether they were on social media or whatever it is. All that to say is they were distracted. And I do the same thing. And I would imagine many of us do as well. And there's a 2020 study by Pew Research, a very recognized uh, survey institute, that indicated, and I feel almost hypocritical saying this, that 51% say they are dealing with a significant problem with their uh, romantic or or friend relationships because they, he or she is distracted by their phones. I know that I've had to come to grips with that for myself and, and my addiction to technology. So not only is this loneliness exacerbated by technology and our lack of interpersonal relationship, I would say number two, the amount of tribalism that is occurring in our world. And we've all seen it. We've all experienced it. With the politics, uh, with all these things and all the chaos that's happening in the world. One professor and political analyst says that nothing is permanent, but right now things are broken. And this, he would argue, is the most divided time we've ever lived since the Civil War. And so not only do, uh, is our loneliness and our disconnection and our unbelonging uh, exacerbated by uh, technology, by tribalism and the politics of the world, and lastly, I would say, because of our systemic marginalization of certain groups that can bleed over from tribalism uh, based on the color of one's skin, their income, their gender, their sexuality, their marital status, whatever it is. And, and we've all seen the reckoning of this in the last few years, particularly the summer of 2020. And, and so regardless of why, if you've walked in here and you have felt lonely or like you don't belong, the story of Jesus' birth through Mary is... For you and for me. You see, the birth of Jesus told by Luke was, had everything to do with this idea of belonging, of inclusion. But only if we read it the way I believe that it was intended to be read. There's a famous scholar and professor, his name is Dr. John Walton from Wheaton. He constantly about scripture says this. He says, the Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. The Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. In other words, in order for us to truly understand what the stories of the Bible are saying is, we can't read it with this Western 21st century lens. We have to read it in the first century lens in which it was written. And so when we read the verses, particularly chapter 2, verse 6, 7, let me read it again. It says, while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. So while they were in Bethlehem, Mary was ready to deliver Jesus. And and then it says in verse 7 that she gave birth to her firstborn and wrapped him in hands of cloth, in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now here's what we get out of this story. 
While Mary was pregnant with Jesus, she was a virgin being impregnated by the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week. She and Joseph had to go to Nazareth, uh, go south to Bethlehem. It was about a 100-mile walk. Because they had to register for what it says in verse 1, a census by the emperor uh, Augustus. And so what's going on is that Augustus is implementing new tax laws. There's new taxation. And in order for uh, the Roman Empire to collect this, these new taxes, each person in their families had to register for where they were, from where they were from. And so Joseph was from Bethlehem. And so Joseph took Mary, his pregnant fiance, walked 100 miles south to Bethlehem from Nazareth to register for the census in order to be obedient and pay this tax uh, to Emperor Augustus. And now, look, from, from here, this is where we have to reimagine what this story might be about. When, when traditionally read the story of Jesus' birth, Joseph and his pregnant fiance Mary are going from hotel to hotel. Uh, just imagine it with me, if you will. They're going down. They, they just walked 100 miles, and, and Joseph is with his pregnant fiance, and they need to find a hotel to essentially stay at and really essentially ultimately to deliver Jesus. And so what we imagine when we read this story is that they're going from hotel to hotel saying, do you have a space for us, myself and my pregnant fiance? And we imagine all these, what we would imagine as innkeepers saying, nope, sorry, there's no space. And so they go to another hotel. Hey, do you have space? No. They go to another one. They say, do you have space? No. And what we imagine finally happening is that they say, okay, I give up. Whoa, there's this barn or this farmhouse or, or this cave, depending on what tradition you read. I don't know what it is, but they go to this farm with animals in, in this manger, and they ultimately deliver the baby Jesus. And now this is a story that we see all the time, and, and I think there's some reality to this. And I think it makes for a really good sermon because the birth of Jesus was rejected and rejected and rejected, and finally he was born in this farmhouse or in this barn or cave. But I want to offer a different perspective, one in which that I would subscribe to. But first, let's talk about this. In verse 6, it simply says that while they were in Bethlehem, it was time to give birth. It says nothing about them frantically from going one end to the other. It doesn't have them in a rush. It doesn't have them having anxiety attacks. It just says while they were down there, it was time. For Jesus to be born. The second observation, Mary and Joseph, they were going back from Joseph's hometown uh, to, to Joseph's hometown to Bethlehem. And, and here's something about the first century, especially in Jewish culture. It's all about family. It's all about shame and honor. And so it's no accident that it says that, okay, Joseph and his fiance Mary, who's pregnant, they're going back to their hometown to register. Now, the reality is, when they go back to their hometown, they probably had family. They probably had friends. They probably had people they knew. 
And in this first century shame and honor culture, there is just absolutely no way that, that Joseph and Mary would come and everybody would reject them or not reach out to them or not offer them a place to stay. That just simply would not happen during this time. And so we have to imagine that uh, Mary and Joseph are coming back to their hometown. Uh, and number three, and this is the important part, and this will all connect in, in where I'm going with this. The word inn, where it says there was no place, there was no room for Jesus in, in the inn. The word inn here in the original language is the word kataluma. Kataluma is the word in Luke chapter 2. Now, a better understanding of this word in would actually be guest room. It would be guest room. And we know this because Luke uses a different word for a commercial inn, like a hotel, uh, when he's talking about the, the Good Samaritan. Do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? It helps, you know, the person that was hurt, brings them to essentially an inn, a, a hotel, a commercial inn called pandoakim. That's the Greek word for a commercial inn. That's not the word Luke uses. Luke uses the word kataluma. Kataluma is also used later when Luke describes the upper room when talking about the Last Supper. This is where Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples. And it says, it where? In the upper room. What is that word, upper room, in, in the original language? Kataluma. And so here he uses that same word in Luke chapter 2. He says that there was no room in the Kataluma, in the guest room of a house probably a relative or a friend. And so here's what I'm saying is, what if we had a different perspective? I think this passage would change the way we understand the scripture. Kenneth Bailey, a scholar and commentator, says this, with the traditional view, the, co the community is cold and heartless, not even making a room for a woman at the height of labor. We often hear this idea translated into how Jesus was rejected at his birth and rejected again at his crucifixion. His whole life was rejection. But this understanding presents a very different picture. In this view, Dr. Bailey says, Jesus is actually welcomed at birth, not as a royal would have been, but still as a valued part of peasant community. Jesus would have had to wait until later in his life to be rejected. Now, I want you to hold both of these stories in your hand. The first story that we imagine is Jesus being, or, or, or Mary being impregnated with Jesus, with Joseph, going from hotel to hotel, and everyone saying, nope, nope, no one for you, you're here, and all of a sudden you're born in this barn. But this story, reinterpreted in this view with understanding the first century and the language, says this. That it wasn't an actually a, a cold-hearted community. In fact, the very opposite. You see, the house that they went to, probably a relative or, or a friend's house, was probably already full because of the census. Remember, shame and honor culture. They were inviting all their family from out of town to stay with them until they had completed their census. So when Mary and Joseph go to this house, the person opening the door, again, a family member or a friend, said probably something like this. Wow, our house is really full. There's people from all over the known world that's inside right now. 
In fact, the Cataluma, the guest room, which every first century Jewish house had, because hospitality was a big part of their culture, they would have said, you know what, I'm so sorry, Joseph and Mary, even the Cataluma is packed. But you know what, I'm going to invite you anyways. You can come in, you and your pregnant fiance, you both can come in. But the space that I have for you is downstairs in the basement. I'm sorry that's all I have, but I want to invite you in. Now you see, every house in the first century had a living space, had a cataluma for the guests. This was the second layer. Downstairs was a place for animals. Uh, because the animals weren't left outside during the evening because of protection, uh, out of safety. They didn't want them stolen or to get, to get killed by other animals. And so uh, whoever owned this house said, you know what, come on in. But you'll have to sleep downstairs in the basement, inside the house still. You see, the story of Jesus' birth is all about welcoming in and belonging. The story of God through the person of Jesus is about God coming to earth to be with us. We call this Emmanuel, God with us. There's belonging written all over the story of Jesus' birth. There's invitation to be a part and be welcomed in to the family of God. And in verse 7, it says, Jesus, once Jesus was born, he was wrapped in cloth in a manger. In other words, God, who was the Savior of the, through Jesus, who was the Savior of the universe, showed up in the regular, in the ordinary, for you and for me. Jesus came for those that are broken to welcome us in. Do you feel lonely? Do you feel broken? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel depressed? Jesus came in the ordinary, in the manger, in someone's house, wrapped in cloth like every other baby in the first century. For those of us that are broken, that don't have it all together, for those of us that feel lonely or, or for those of us that, that just feel like we just don't belong, Luke invites us to see the story of Jesus' birth through these Eastern first century Jewish lens rather than our hyper-individualized Western lens. And so there's room for you in the family of God, just like Joseph's relatives inviting people in. No matter what you've done, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what ethnic group you belong to, no matter what food you eat, no matter what status you have, no matter what you make in your salary, your level of education, your net worth, you are absolutely loved by God, and God invites you into his family to take part in celebrating his life, death, and resurrection. So friends... May this Christmas Eve, may this Christmas be a reminder that God has embraced us into his family. That the story uh, of Jesus' birth is all about inclusion and, and bringing people in. And, and maybe that's us. We've experienced that firsthand, feeling like we didn't belong, like we don't belong. I have good news for you. The gospel says you actually belong. In the story of God. And you are welcome, no matter what you've been through. And, and because of that, may we have the same spirit to
to include people in our own lives, to invite them into the family of God, to invite them into a life of abundance through the person of Jesus who we celebrate his birth this evening. So I'm going to invite the worship team back up as we end in a few songs in the practice of what we invite you to this evening is to know, to truly know that you do belong in the family of God. And may you, through that belonging, invite others to the family of God, particularly those that have felt like they don't belong, those unseen by society, those unheard, unvalued. God, may we be a people that rise up and say that the birth of Jesus is so that we can belong into a family of God. And may we do the same. And may this bring hope for us today and forevermore. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have invited us into your family. And we celebrate that today. We thank you for coming to earth through a baby, being born in a manger, being wrapped in cloth like every other human being that during that time. And may that compel us in a world of hate and a world of division and being polarized. May that compel us to actually love and be kind and to give and be generous. May we look differently this year and forevermore. Because your message is all about love. Your life, your birth, your death and resurrection is all about love. It's all about belonging into a community. It's about forgiveness, healing, and transformation. May we experience all of that and help others experience the same. We thank you this evening, and we celebrate you. In your name we pray, amen and amen.